Becky and I have been friends since kindergarten. She was always prettier and more popular, while I liked to study. By the age of five, I could already read and write. And since I was bilingual and I also started to learn a third language, I could already speak three languages. Despite all my attempts to learn, she was the one who was always praised. I didn't mind that, as I liked to be in her shadow. Being on the spot made me feel nervous, and I was scared someone would make fun of me. We kept together with each other no matter what, and we also went to the same primary school and then middle school. When we were in high school, Becky started to get really interested in celebrities and influencers. I never really cared about all that. After all, I was the brainy kid. Nothing changed in that department, even at this point. She'd spend hours on pictogram to study how models pose, and she was practicing those same poses in front of the mirror. She became obsessed with how she looked. No matter how pretty she already was, she was constantly comparing herself to all those models. And how one was thinner than her, one had lusher hair. I tried to be a good friend, and I supported her, but I also started to worry. I could see that she was building up insecurities, but she didn't want to listen to me. One time, I sat in her room as always, and she was comparing herself again and again. She asked me, how fat was she? Could you believe it? How fat? That question is problematic on its own, but the biggest problem for me was actually the fact that Becky was really slim. She could easily be a model on one of those magazine covers. I told her, Becky, stop being so hard on yourself. You're already beautiful, and I think you're better than all of those models altogether. I didn't expect what would happen next. Becky only looked at me with that cold look in her eyes and said without any kindness in her voice, Maybe if you were pretty, you would understand how much physical appearance matters. I felt how her words mercilessly pierced my heart. How could she be so cruel? Yes, I didn't care about how I looked, but I also believed that what mattered most is someone's personality. My friend was always kind, and now she sounded like a monster. I started to cry, and she looked down and sighed. I'm sorry, she said and continued. I didn't mean that. I think my inner anger took over. And I said something cruel just to hurt you. You're my friend, and I thought you were in my life to support me. But it seems to me that my dreams of becoming an influencer don't matter enough to you. I was shocked. Was I a bad friend all along? I simply didn't want her to feel bad about her body. I kneeled down and hugged her. I felt ashamed of myself. And since Becky said she didn't mean that, I wanted to believe her. However, things didn't go smooth. Becky soon created an account on VicVoc, the most trend-setting app in the world. The entire point of the app was to post funny, cute, or some other short videos that people can share and like. It was a massive producer of virals. Some of the VicVoc vids were going as popular as 100 million views. I was probably the only girl at school who didn't use VicVoc at that time, so obviously I didn't know too much about what's trendy now. As Becky's popularity was on the rise, she started to be surrounded by popular girls, even those who were older than us. One time, I managed to catch her alone and I confronted her about it. Hey, listen Becky, we've known each other for years and lately you've stopped hanging out with me. Is everything alright? Becky stared at me with that same cold look and the same tone she'd used that evening. She asked, Are you jealous of my new friends? I was surprised. 
I wasn't jealous of her at all, but since kindergarten, we were always together. Becky, it's not about jealousy. I simply want to be friends like we always have been. But she only laughed and responded, I'm still your friend. I just want to have other friends. And she left. I felt really worried about all of that. I started to feel that maybe I was being paranoid or insecure or projecting my own anxieties onto my friend. However, soon I realized I wasn't. It was a sunny day, and we had our PE class outside. Coach Jenkins ordered us to run around. Becky never trained with us. She had medical documentation that stated that because of her fragile bone structure, she's prone to injuries, and she can only train under the supervision of a well-qualified personal trainer. I knew it was on the lie, and that document was written by Becky's dad's friend, but I never revealed her secret. So as we ran around the training yard, Becky and a few other girls were sitting aside with their phones, and they seemed to have plenty of fun. As I was running next to them, Becky suddenly called me. I looked at her, and I didn't realize that someone quickly put a wheeled bin in front of me. The accident was terrible. I wasn't hurt or anything, but in front of everyone, I fell down the bin. I was stuck in trash from my head down to my waist. Since it was a sunny, hot day, the garbage was rotting quicker and the smell made me sick. As soon as Coach Jenkins helped me get out, I vomited. I was covered in garbage juice and my own vomit. Our coach escorted me back to the locker room where I could take a shower and change. My mom picked me up from school early, but I didn't want to talk to her. I felt so embarrassed because everyone I knew from school saw me. I only hoped that everyone would soon forget. In the evening, I got a short text from Becky that said, I hope you are better, XOXO. I replied with a long wall of text telling her how anxious I felt after that and that I was always clumsy but never that clumsy. All I got in return was Becky leaving me on red. The next day after school, I felt everyone look at me. From a gray goose and unknown to anyone girl, I became weirdly popular, but I felt it wasn't in a good way. People were looking at me. They whispered behind my back. Some of them even giggled as they saw me. I thought that someone told somebody else about my accident, and now a lot of people knew. However, the truth turned out to be worse. When I was changing in the locker room, all the girls kept away from me. As I was always changing rather slow, I was left alone with an outside girl called Lucy. Lucy joined our class just a few weeks earlier, and she seemed to be one of those alternative girls who simply don't keep up with the normies like me or Becky. Lucy looked at me and smiled. It's a tough time, eh? She asked, and I had no clue what she meant. I asked her about it, and she seemed surprised that I didn't know what she was referring to. She took out her phone from her locker and scrolled. Then she passed her phone to me, and I felt my heart stop beating for a moment. On Becky's account, name XX Princess Becky XX, there was a video from yesterday titled Trash Girl. On the clip, I saw how she recorded me falling into the garbage can, and in the comments section, she was roasting me alongside her followers. We were friends for over 12 years, and now she was publicly making fun of me on her account. I can't believe she did that, I said, and I felt a hot tear start to grow on my cheek. Don't worry about her, said Lucy. The girls like her aren't worth much. She pranked you awfully, and if you ever thought about her as your friend, then she never deserved that title. I was surprised that someone turned out to be supportive. 
but at this point, I felt too embarrassed. I called my parents to pick me up early again, but I didn't reveal the truth to them. Because of the viral trash girl, I became super popular. Everyone at school knew me now, and I wasn't even the nerd I used to be, but trash girl. Trash girl became my new name for everyone, and sometimes I felt that even teachers knew about the clip and laughed at me. My mental health was getting worse, and soon I wasn't even able to leave my room. My parents were stressed about the whole situation, and the only supportive person I had was Lucy. I even needed to delete all my social media because they were flooded with random people writing on my feed nasty things about me. I was in a dark place, and I didn't allow anyone to help me. I felt I was doomed. Lucy, however, behind my back, told my parents the truth. They managed to get me into good treatment and started homeschooling. Even more, they managed to get that awful viral video taken down and Becky's account temporarily blocked. But all those attempts were in vain. The video was so popular that strangers were re-uploading it from their accounts and Becky's popularity grew even bigger. Lucy came up with an idea that we could transfer to a different school. Her grandmother lived on the opposite side of the states, and nearby there was one of the best high schools in the entire country. Lucy and I applied for the transfer, and we were soon accepted with congratulations letters in which our new principal expressed how glad she was that we would be joining their school. I was nervous traveling across the country, but Lucy was with me. The first few days in school were normal, but soon the whispers and looks started again. Fortunately, I found my refuge in the school's library, which was huge. I spent hours there each and every day. It wasn't a popular place, so I often felt cozy there. One day, as I was browsing through the books, my hand met with somebody else's hand. I quickly took mine away and felt someone staring at me. I looked up and I saw a handsome guy who had beautiful dark eyes and messy brown hair. He smiled at me and said, Hey! I felt how my cheeks turned pink, and shyly I responded with a quiet, Hey! For a moment, we just stared at each other, and then he asked, Do you also like to read about ancient Rome? And I nodded. You don't need to be shy around me. You see, it's my secret, but I'm a huge nerd. He laughed, and his laughter was pure and gentle. I smiled and said, If you're a true nerd, then let's go on trivia night at the local cafe tonight. I don't know what possessed me as I said that, but the boy, despite being surprised, agreed. That evening, I prepared carefully to look my best, and Lucy was joking about my first date. It's not a date, we're just going for trivia, I said, but she only laughed and joked, sure, sure. The guy, whose name was Aaron, arrived on time, and to my surprise, he brought a small bouquet of flowers he made on his way. I thought you might like them, he said shyly, and I felt my heart grow bigger. We went out for trivia night, and it turned out we were both huge nerds. I can't decide who is better, as we were both always right. Aaron was mesmerized with my character and knowledge, and after our night together, he was walking me back home and said, Wow, Aaron, I was waiting my whole life to meet a girl like you. I was surprised, since I always thought of myself to be so ordinary, but I looked at him and asked, Seriously? Yes, intellect and character are the most important qualities in women. So many girls only care about their looks and they forget that we're young only for the moment. And you should find true love not in looks, but in somebody's heart. 
After his confession, we shared a kiss, and soon we started to officially date. One day, Lucy saw us together as Aaron was walking me back home, and she looked shocked. Aaron Smith? Are you Aaron Smith? She seemed way too excited. My boyfriend looked down and said, Yeah, your friend's boyfriend. And I guess you must be Lucy, right? Lucy was jumping around. Oh my God, I can't believe Aaron Smith knows my name. And I looked at her and at my boyfriend, puzzled. Yeah, my boyfriend was Aaron Smith, but so what about it? Lucy looked at me and realized how clueless I was. Then she looked at my boyfriend and said, Aaron doesn't use social media. She probably doesn't know who you are. He looked at me and said, Aaron knows the real me, and she knows that I'm her boyfriend. You should come back to our house, and we can help your girlfriend to realize who she's dating, Lucy said, and took Aaron and me inside. For the next three hours, I sat down with my friend and boyfriend, and we were discussing Aaron's career as an influencer. He turned out to be one of the most popular gamers, and his streams were watched by millions of people. For the first time since I knew Aaron, I felt anxious. We never spoke about me being the trash girl, and I was afraid he would reject me after he learned the truth. I always believed that I should be myself, and with a heavy heart, I told Aaron the truth. And I even found the trash girl viral video to show him. He looked disgusted at the video. I was sure he would now break up with me, but he pulled me closer and kissed my forehead. Whoever pulled that prank on you was a monster. I'm so sorry you went through all of that. I never expected my boyfriend to be so loving, but I felt happy that he didn't turn out to be one of those guys who only cared about his popularity. As he was showing me his account on Pictogram, I saw that all of his photos were liked and commented on by Becky. Yes, the very same Becky who turned my life into hell. I asked him about her and he said, that girl is really creepy. She stalks me and sends me private messages inviting me to her house, suggesting we should date. I was terrified to hear that my boyfriend was my biggest enemy's crush, and I told him that it was Becky who pranked me. I told him the entire story of our friendship, and he looked sad. I'm so sorry, Aaron, it happened to you, but someone as toxic as her shouldn't have a platform. She can influence teenagers, he said. He pulled me closer, then he added, Now smile. Aaron took a picture of us, and he quickly uploaded onto his pictogram account. Just a few seconds later, he got a private message from Becky, who warned him that the girl he called his girlfriend was an infamous trash girl. He screenshotted her message and put it in his stories. Within one night, Becky lost plenty of her followers. I couldn't believe what happened, but my relationship with Aaron grew even stronger. Aaron also proposed I start a new account on social media and come forward with my story. He said that plenty of people are mistreated online, and an important voice like mine can help them. At first, I was skeptical, but now, a few years later, I know I did right. Together with Aaron, we're still a couple, and my new social media personality of Famous Trash Girl helps thousands of people to accept and stand up for themselves. I know that I can't prevent all of the Beckys of this world to stop being mean, but at least one of them lost not only her crush, but also her popularity.
story's gonna surprise you. My name is Sylvia, and I know what you're thinking right now. It seems, Sylvia, that you take us for fools if you think we'll believe in the existence of magic notebooks out there. Not at all. The only fool in this story is me. But first things first. It all started when my relationship with my parents was at an impasse. And it was all my fault. It's just the way I am. Lazy, careless, and wanting only to have fun and enjoy life. I didn't want to study. I didn't listen to my parents. I either hang out with my friends or stared at my phone for hours. I didn't have anything else to do. I thought I could live this way for another 20 years, but things didn't go according to plan. I was expelled from school. At first, I couldn't believe it. I thought it was some kind of prank. By the way, that's what my parents thought too. Very funny, Sylvia, smiled my mother. Where did you hide the camera? In the sugar bowl? Except there was no camera in the sugar bowl and neither was it a prank. And in fact, I had no idea what to do. My parents never yelled at me, so our house fell into a tragic silence for a week. By the way, they should have scolded me. Maybe I wouldn't have to tell that story now if I'd had my phone taken away from me a couple of times. Anyway, my parents went into mourning and I locked myself in my room, listening to Lana Del Rey and imagining going off to another state with a bunch of bikers. We'd be crowding the trails, racing against the wind, dancing around a campfire, not showering for weeks, drink gallons of Coke. My fantasy was interrupted by my mother. She appeared on the doorstep of my room and she looked resolute. I would even say frightened. Get ready, she commanded. Where to? To Aunt Nikki's. It couldn't be. I jumped up on the bed, happy as I could be. This was even better than a bunch of unwashed bikers. Aunt Nikki lived in the next state and very rarely came to visit us. It didn't bother mom at all that she hardly ever saw her sister though. They were too different to enjoy each other's company. Mother was a very kind but extremely serious person with a decent profession, a high paying job, and a classic American family. Aunt Nikki, on the other hand, it was like she was stuck at the age of 18, dressed very strangely, into mystical stuff, sang mantras, and never worked. What do you live on, Nikki? My mother was indignant every time. I'm surprised you haven't ended up under a bridge. Well, you wouldn't know. My aunt would answer. I might have slept there last night. I adored Nikki and she adored me, though we seldom saw each other. And now I'm going to live with her. I hope it's forever. I threw everything I could get my hands on into the suitcase without looking. You can stay with her for a week and then your father and I will find you a new school. Only a week. What a pity. But what a week. This week was supposed to be the best week of my life. My dad volunteered to drive me and he spent the whole trip torturing me with advices and guidance. Think about your life, Sylvia, he said in a teacher's tone. We never pressured you, thinking you'd find your own way. And what came of it? The best week in American history, I exclaimed. Forget it, Dad. One day, I'll get a million and go to a country where it's always warm. Dad sighed and stopped lecturing. We drove up to Aunt Nikki's house. I had imagined a hundred times what a home of an extraordinary person like her must look like. But all my fantasies faded before reality. The front door opened and the strongest smell of incense hit my nose. Someone's droning voice sang a mantra from a loudspeaker. 
I immediately noticed the vast array of figurines, paintings, crystals, beads, feathers, and other decorations that littered the entire floor-to-ceiling space. Cool! I grinned in admiration. My dad helped me get my stuff in and left. He still had a few hours of driving back. Aunt Nikki gave me a tour of the house. And this is the door to my room, she smiled. And I'll personally rip your nosy nose off if you come in here. I laughed, appreciating the joke. But I could tell by the look in the woman's eyes that there was very little humor in it. Okay, not going in means not going in. There were so many perks of living with my aunt. We talked about everything. We went for walks, did yoga, dancing like crazy to weird music. And all my thoughts of expulsion literally evaporated on the first day. Then I accidentally overheard a conversation that I wasn't supposed to hear. Aunt Nikki, it turned out, was helping people solve their problems. No, she wasn't the head of the Sicilian Mafia. More like a witch doctor. She ran her own esoteric blog on Instagram, and she did consultations. I happened to be part of one of those consultations, going down to the kitchen. Thanks for all your help, Nikki. I told my friends about you. They'll be sure to sign up, a woman's voice said. Seeing me, my aunt ended the conversation, and we sat down to eat dinner. It's great that you can talk to people and make money, I told Nikki. Yes, there's a lot of customers, she nodded. It's all thanks to this thing. She motioned at the old shabby notebook lying next to her on the table. What is it? A magic notebook. But you don't need to know how it works. <laughs> Does Aunt Nikki think I'm an idiot? Is the internet not working for me? I knew exactly how these magic books work. For naive people born yesterday, they grant all the wishes written on their pages. But for those who haven't lost the ability to think, they don't work at all. I liked hanging out with my aunt, but I never really believed in all that magical stuff. I voiced my thoughts out loud. The woman looked at me like a toddler with chocolate smeared on her face and opened her notebook with determination. Let's write down that in a minute, the courier will bring us five pizzas for free. She quickly wrote down her wish on a sheet of paper. And just as Nikki finished writing down the last word, the doorbell rang. My aunt gracefully walked to the door and opened it. Miss Halliwell, your five pizzas, they're already paid for. My jaw almost met the counter. Is your last name Halliwell? No, but I predict someone won't be expecting a pizza for their party tonight. That's the kind of magic I like. Aunt Nikki demonstrated the capabilities of her magic notebook a couple more times. And then she made me promise not to touch it. I swear! I blurted it out as I began to make a plan of action. I had to get my hands on that notebook no matter what. I wanted to get my hands on a million dollars and go live in some country where it's always sunny. I would have been more specific if I didn't have a fat F in geography. Over the next couple of days, I figure out the perfect moment to steal the notebook. Early in the morning when my aunt was asleep. She always slept so soundly and she wore earplugs. The perfect crime! After turning off the alarm at 5 in the morning, I snuck into Nikki's bedroom. The place was, let me tell you, even weirder than the rest of the house. Crystals everywhere, symbols that I couldn't make out. And it made me want to get out of there. I saw the notebook on the bedside table. I tiptoed, grabbed it, and headed out. 
I was in such a mad anticipation of happiness that I stopped looking under my feet. One step and I was on the floor, dragging the bookcase and all its contents with a wild thud. My aunt moved in the bed. I froze, struggling to blend into the black carpet, as if one could miss this mess. But Aunt Nikki just turned on her other side and I was out of her bedroom in a heartbeat. I didn't have to clean up after myself because I would be rushing to another state in minutes with a million dollars in my pocket. In my room, I grabbed the first thing I could find, a lipstick. I opened my notebook to a blank page and wrote down my wish. Cool! Sylvia, what have you done? Pale as death, my aunt stood in the doorway. I shook the notebook triumphantly. Now I will be rich! You can fulfill all your desires! Why can't I? What a fool you are. The woman sat down on the floor. It's the devil's notebook. What? The notebook fell out of my hands and ended up on the bed, opening to the very first page. I, Nikki Katrol, give my soul in exchange for the fulfillment of all the wishes written in this notebook. The writing frightened me so much that I staggered to the side, falling off the bed. What's going to happen now? I stared at my aunt. I don't know, Sylvia. I think he'll be displeased, and he'll grant you a wish you'll regret for the rest of your life. The woman said it so quietly and doomfully that when my cell phone rang, the last word was drowned out by the loud ringtone. I reached for the phone. It was my mother. Sylvia, get ready fast. Again? Where are you going? No time to explain. Mom seemed to be crying. Dad and I are in big trouble. We sold everything we had and we're leaving. We'll pick you up on the way, so be ready. We can't wait a minute. She hung up. I stared at the blank screen for a few seconds. What did you wish for? Asked my aunt. A million dollars and to go to a warm country. So the wish came true. Apparently, my parents just managed to raise a million by selling everything we have. But that's not what I wanted. I grabbed my notebook and frantically began to flip through it, looking for a blank page. Now I'll write to make everything as it was before. It doesn't work that way, Sylvia. Nikki looked as sinister as a real witch. I warned you. But there must be a way out. There are consequences to everything you do. I agree. Anything, as long as the parents don't get in trouble. I loved my mom and dad very much. I didn't want to get them in trouble because of my stupidity. Sacrifice what's more precious than your freedom. My aunt's eyes filled with blood. How's that? Take the notebook and write, give it all back. In return, I promise to study all year long. In a panic, I grabbed a pencil and I was about to write the first word when I suddenly came to my senses. Stop. The horror immediately evaporated. Really? I frowned, and only now, looking closely at my aunt, I noticed that she could hardly contain her laughter. In fact, she wasn't holding back anymore. Aunt Nikki was laughing like a madwoman. And I threw that stupid magic notebook at her and grabbed the phone and dialed my mom's number. Sylvia, come on. It's no time to talk. There was still panic on the other end of the line. A fake panic, like in a Turkish soap opera. 
The Oscars were on their way, Mom. I barked. Yes, you got that right. My parents had put Aunt Nikki up to this grand spectacle for me. Her goal was to get me to study in any way she could. My aunt was all for it. She always liked crazy adventures. So she invested a lot of time and energy in preparing for the show. If I hadn't outed these entertainers, I would have studied all year at school. To save my loved ones. To be honest, I decided to spend more time on my studies. If my parents were willing to do that, it means my education is important to them. So why not try? Have you ever been pranked by someone close to you? Tell us in the comments what it's like. I later found out the full picture of what really happened. It turned out that Mike and Dean had a bet. Mike claimed that all the rumors about me were just fabrications, that I didn't really have any supernatural powers. That's nonsense, Mike said. She probably made it up herself, so no one would pick on her. Okay, let's assume that, Dean answered. Then let's do this. You sneak up on her and touch her arm. Mike tensed up a little. Though he was skeptical, he didn't want to test the rumors on himself. However, the conversation was taking place in the presence of other boys, so the challenge had to be accepted. Okay, I'll do it, Mike muttered uncertainly. Dean smiled wryly, and finally, I show up in this story. It happened at recess. I was getting the books I needed out of my locker when I felt someone touch my arm, just below my shoulder. I flinched in surprise. See, nothing happened, Mike said to the crowd of onlookers. He took a few steps away from me before he slipped and landed on the floor. Hi, my name is Kim, and I'm used to these things. Another non-believer became a victim of his own arrogance, and then paid the ultimate price. Tragedy and comedy. It's all your fault! It's all you! Shouted Mike to Dean, lying on a medical stretcher with a brace around his neck. Dean shrugged guiltily, as if to say, I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> Here's what happened. About 10 minutes before it happened, the cleaning lady was mopping the floors, and she put up a sign in the hallway that said, Caution, wet floor. But for some unknown reason, the sign disappeared. And Mike, thinking that destiny had no power over him, paid for this delusion with a broken neck. <laughs> Poor guy, I thought. That must have hurt. As Mike was being taken by paramedics to the hospital, Dean still couldn't calm down. Did you see him collapse? <laughs> Hilarious! Everyone around me laughed quietly. I went straight to Dean. The guys, seeing me coming, quickly took off, leaving Dean alone. He tried to act all manly, but there was tension and nervousness in his voice. He was clearly uncomfortable standing next to me. Ah, Miss Misfortune, he chuckled. Do you think it's funny? Your friend broke his neck, and you're not even ashamed. It wasn't my fault. I told him to expect trouble if you touched Kim, but he didn't believe me, and that was the result. I wanted to give him a good slap in the face, but I decided to do something different. Anyway, it's your fault. A victim of a science experiment. Oh yeah? <laughs> well then, watch out. Before Dean knew what was happening, I grabbed his arm. The guy froze and didn't move at first, and then, when he realized what had just happened, he let out a wild scream. Ah! No, not again! Why did you do that? Now I'm screwed! Nothing. Just don't cross the road and don't walk under any windows so nothing will fall on your head. And you better stay away from the dogs. 
Panic overtook Dean. He looked around in panic, waiting for something awful to happen. The miss-misfortune effect worked differently every time. Sometimes it could take a while. Dean tried to figure out what to do, and he decided he had to run. Forgetting all about the classes, he ran out into the street and disappeared. I went back to my chemistry class. The curse. That's what I called my ability. The starting point of my misfortunes was my sixth birthday. I don't know what exactly happened then. Maybe it was the magnetic waves or the radioactive substances in the cake. But the following day, the first incident occurred. I hugged Dad as usual, and he, five minutes later, fell down the stairs, nearly breaking everything. Then the curse reached Mom. A hairdryer caught fire right in her hands and burned part of her hair. Thankfully, the flames didn't damage her skin. After a series of mutilations and troubles, my parents realized it wasn't an accident. It was me. It was hard to live without my mother's and father's touch, as if I was in an orphanage. The same story continued at school. I was more careful now, aware of the power within me, but it was impossible to avoid being touched forever. So after a few unpleasant incidents, I was nicknamed Miss Misfortune. Now everyone knew to stay away from me. I accepted my fate and the fact that I would die alone, like in a Charles Dickens novel, surrounded by spiders and cats. One good thing about all this was that no bully ever dared to hurt me. But on the other hand, I never had a boyfriend, because everyone knew how it could end. I didn't believe in miracles, right up until Liam showed up. His parents moved to our town, and he started going to the same school I went to. I don't know how to describe it. I guess I just fell in love. The very first day, as soon as he walked into class, Liam was looking around for an empty seat, and the teacher said he could sit next to me. I flared up and turned red as a tomato. My classmates started whispering, Oh, poor kid gets to sit with Miss Misfortune. We won't see him again. It didn't bother me much. I tried not to look at Liam at the time and pretended I didn't care. They could have Johnny Depp sitting next to me. I couldn't care less. Liam sat down, turned toward me, and held out his hand. I'm Liam. What's your name? I didn't shake it, just looked at the guy sideways. I'm Kim. Cool, he said, and turned back to the board. I rarely saw Liam, mostly in biology and math class, sometimes in the cafeteria. Each time I blushed and could barely get out a high, Liam would smile broadly and ask me how I was doing. I thought he'd figure out what was wrong with me. Rumors about me were spreading all over the school. So, for instance, everyone immediately thought I was getting back at Dean. Remember when I touched him as payback for him deciding to make fun of Mike? Dean ran home from school and locked himself in his room. His parents tried to get in, but he wouldn't open the door, just screamed that it was the end of him. Dean's parents freaked out and finally broke down the door. The kid was sitting in the corner with his chin on his knees, rocking back and forth, mumbling something quietly. Diagnosis? A nervous breakdown. Yes, sometimes my ability doesn't work literally, but Liam thought all this talk about me was just school gossip. I mean, people say odd things about others. I was glad he didn't believe what they were saying. But on the other hand, I was afraid it might end in tragedy. The situation became more complicated when Liam asked me out one day. I wanted to say no, but I just couldn't. He was the first guy who'd ever shown any interest in me. I should have told him the truth, that he was in danger, but I didn't say anything. In the evening, we went to the amusement park. I took every precaution I could. 
I wore a sweatshirt with long sleeves. I even put my mother's gloves on my hands. I looked ridiculous and weird. Are your hands cold? Liam asked me as soon as I left the house. Yeah, I answered, trying to avoid the subject. My aunt is the same way. She wears gloves all the time. I smiled stupidly and we walked to the park. Surprisingly, we had a great time. Riding the wheel. Liam won a teddy bear in a throwing contest and gave it to me. I struggled to carry the huge toy around with both hands. It kept slipping out of my hands. Without the gloves, which were noticeably too big for me, it would have been much more comfortable. I had to risk it. Liam saw that I was about to drop the bear. He decided to pick it up and carry it himself. <sighs> and that's when he touched my hand. I dropped the bear and said, I'm sorry, I ruined it. Tears came to my eyes. What's the matter? Liam was clueless. I didn't want to see anyone else get hurt because of me. So without another word, I ran away. Liam wanted to catch up with me, but I'd already disappeared into the crowd. The next day, I found out that he was taken away by an ambulance that night. Turns out he got a severe food poisoning. It was the third victim of my curse this month. Like Dean, I locked myself in my room and didn't come out for a long time. Maybe I should never be around people at all, I thought, trying to somehow figure myself out. But for my parents, there was only one excuse for not going to school, death. So even though I felt terrible, I had to go to class. I was always treated with suspicion, but this time the level of paranoia was off the charts. No one came within a few meters of me. Moreover, I noticed some tension even in the behavior of the teachers. I found out later that Mike and Dean were responsible for the boycott. Maybe it wasn't nice what I did to Dean, but I didn't want to hurt Mike. I guess that's how the hurt effect works. No one wanted to figure anything out. I was, by default, the case of every misfortune that happened under the roof of that goddamn school. Dad tried to reassure me. Honey, don't pay any attention to them. Yes, my mother said. Children are so cruel. I knew they were cruel, but what am I supposed to do? They didn't have an answer to that question. As usual, I was left alone with my own curse. Sometimes it seemed to me that there were witches in our bloodline, and this was the punishment for terrorizing people in some small town. But I'm not a witch. I can't turn people into toads. I don't make magic potions. I'm just an ordinary girl who, for some unknown reason, has a very unusual ability. Liam was released from the hospital a week later. I was dreading seeing him. What would he say? Would he break up with me? Of course he would. There was not a single positive thought in my head at the time. How could he stay with me after that first date? What would have happened if we became a couple? What if he would kiss me? It's scary to even imagine. They might as well launch me into space to keep me away from all the people I could hurt. I ran into Liam in the hallway. He came up to me with a smile that never left his face and said, Hey, our first date didn't end very well. Maybe we could try again? I couldn't believe my ears. And you're not afraid that one day a brick might fall on your head? No, why should I be? Then, to my surprise, he took my hand and walked me to class. I expected the worst, but nothing happened to Liam that day, or the next day. My curse was gone, just like in the fairy tale of Beauty and the Beast. All I had to do was wait for a man who would truly love me. It took me a long time to get used to the fact that I could hug my mother. 
I could hold Liam's hand as I walked. True love really can do anything. What would you do if every time you touched someone, it brought them bad luck? Write your answers in the comments, like the video, and share it with your friends. There's a whole pile of money in here. There's so much money, it'll be enough for several generations. I excitedly told my boyfriend. You should talk to your parents about it. They should explain to you the origin of the money. Johnny mm. replied thoughtfully. What if they didn't know anything about it? Maybe I should just take some of it. I continued to reason. No way. First of all, it could be someone else's money. And secondly, it could have a criminal background. My boyfriend suggested, which really scared me. Strangely enough, I didn't even think <gasps> about it. You're right. Maybe I should discuss it with my parents. Hi everyone, my name is Mary, and I recently found out that there are millions of dollars in my house. But despite that, our family lives on the edge of poverty. My parents are farmers, so they live in a rural community, or more accurately, in the middle of nowhere. For the sake of my future, they sent me to the city to study. Now I only come home on weekends and school breaks, and the rest of the time, I live with my grandparents. In fact, my parents used to be quite well off, we had a nice apartment in the city, but we had to sell it after the fire at the farm in order to rebuild at least some of the destroyed property and start farming again. It's going to be different now. We can't afford half of what we used to be able to afford, of what we used to be able to do. Dad said sadly, as he stood on the ashes and wiped a faint tear from his cheek. But my parents didn't want to change anything. The thing is, we belong to one of the oldest families that had been farming for centuries. It runs in our veins. My grandfather was a farmer. My father was a farmer. But I would like for my children and my grandchildren to choose their own path. My father always says proudly, and I'm very grateful mm -hmm. to him for that. I would like to be a stewardess or a model, but I haven't made up my mind yet, and I still have time to think about it. Think, think, my dear. But if anything, you can always take over our family business in the form of hay, manure, and cows. My daddy smirked at me. And when he said that, I didn't feel like fooling around and letting things happen by themselves. By the way, my parents are very brave people. They were supposed to continue taking care of the family business after the wedding, but they had the courage to run away to the city for a better future, so I could grow up in a different environment and get a decent education. And I think I'm on the right track. I've made a lot of new friends in the city, and most importantly, I met my love, Johnny. What are you doing? Just put your foot here and the machine will wrap the film around your shoes. Are you from a village? Said Johnny when he saw me for the first time. I was trying to pull a bag from the shoe cover machine. Yeah, from the village. I said blushing. How ashamed I was of myself. But if it weren't for that incident, I would never have met my love. Johnny and I have a lot in common. We listen to the same music, we love sushi, and we both bite our nails when we're nervous. When I go to my parents' house, my boyfriend misses me a lot and looks forward to my return. On one of those trips, I decided to clean up the barn to help out my parents a little. But it turned out to be so old that at some point, the floor just collapsed and I fell right through it. Man, that hurt. Mom used to always tell me to eat more food. If I'd been a little thicker, I wouldn't have fallen through that crack. I grumbled angrily at myself. It was easier to fall through than to get back out. I hope I don't starve to death in this hole. I muttered and decided to look around. I turned on the light on my phone. There was nothing around except a strange box. I had unrealistic hopes for its contents. I hoped to find tools in it, 
that I could use to break up the rest of the floor and get back to the surface. However, its contents were more than unexpected because the box was filled to the brim with money. What a find! There's a fortune here, a dream come true. And what a pity it's come to me now when I can only use it as toilet paper or a handkerchief. I said ironically, trying to figure out how much money was in there. At that point, the money didn't really matter because I had to get out. And when you're in an extreme situation, you have to use whatever you have on hand. So I got on top of the box of money, broke the floorboards above my head and climbed out. That sure went well, I said, wiping the sweat from my head. After the fall, my bones ached and my head was pounding. What bothered me the most was my discovery. There was a fortune in that box and it could change our family's life. Realizing this was terrifying and exciting at the same time. So I covered the hole in the floor with junk and hurried away. Where did this money come from? Who does it belong to? Do my parents know about it? And if they do, why are they living on the edge of poverty? I pondered. I didn't ask my parents that time. And when I got back to town, I decided to tell Johnny. He assured me that no matter what, I should talk to my parents about what I found. Okay, this weekend I would definitely do that. I promised my boyfriend. And for the next few days, I imagine the conversation I'll have with my mom and dad when I go home for the weekend. Do you know that you have a lot of cash lying around in there? Do you want some dough? Look there. Don't have enough money? Just get it from the barn. That's about how I imagined the beginning of my conversation with my folks. I really don't know how to tell them what I'd found because it wasn't a $10 bill. Confusion, fear, panic, joy, excitement. I think I was going through the whole range of emotions, but I was still able to pull myself together and start talking. Mom, Dad, last week I fell through the floor in the shed and found a whole bunch of money in a box. Do you have anything to say about that? I said boldly when I arrived at my parents' house. I've been preparing, and that's why my words sounded confident and clear of any doubts. At that moment, I was ready for any reaction from my parents, from indifference to a fit of rage. I hope you didn't touch them. My dad didn't even flinch. I didn't, but why are you so calm about it? As if millions of dollars mean nothing to you. Maybe there's something I don't understand. I answered suspiciously. My mother was clearly nervous, putting her apron on and taking it off several times. Yes, of course I know about the money. But the most important thing you have to understand is, you must never take a cent from it. Dad said sternly and went back to his business. All my next questions were simply ignored, and that put me in a kind of stupor. Parents count every penny, save on everything, and yet they have millions of dollars. It's weird, I thought. I came up with two main theories that day. I was open to the possibility that my parents' savings from the old days were put aside and that they were intended for my studies at a prestigious university. The other version was that my father got the money through some crooked way, so he was afraid to spend it. But knowing my father's honest nature, this version seemed completely absurd and unrealistic. However, I decided to do my own investigation anyway and googled information on unsolved thefts and burglaries in recent years. And I managed to find something interesting. Some time ago in a neighboring city, an armored car was robbed. The criminals got away with millions of dollars and the police never managed to find them. What's more, the date of the robbery was almost the same as the day of the fire that happened at our house. It all made sense. 
out of desperation, Daddy decided to make some extra money for the family and committed a horrible crime. And now it was clear why he had hidden that money so carefully and forbade me from touching it. He's just afraid that he'll be found and locked up for the rest of his life. God, what a nightmare! How could Daddy do such a thing? And who was the other burglar? I wondered aloud, trying not to panic. The next morning, I had to go back to the city. But it wasn't the alarm clock that woke me up. It was a loud conversation outside. I looked out the window and saw my dad talking to a man. And it was hardly a friendly conversation. Don't worry, your money will stay intact. And my daughter will live the life she wants. We'd rather be poor, but free. My father said to the stranger, it was clear that the man had something uh -huh. to do with that money and that it no. was somehow directly related uh -uh. to me. I decided to waste no time and act because now the truth was closer than ever. Why don't you tell me what this is all about? I said defiantly, running out into the street. My father was surprised and hesitated for a bit and the stranger looked at me with an appraising look, smiled and said, So that's who you are, our future daughter-in-law? After these words, my father shouted at him and sent him away. I was so shocked. I couldn't say a word and just looked at my father in confusion. All right, I'll tell you everything. He said sadly and went into the house. That's when I found out that the stranger was a rich man from the community that my parents had fled from years before. Some time ago, he found out about the fire in our financial situation and decided to seize the moment. You know very well that members of our community shouldn't get involved with outsiders. So it's best for everyone if your daughter marries my son. He said to my father, opening a suitcase of money in front of him. He was offering my father a huge sum of money. And in exchange, I had to marry the stranger's son. But my father flatly refused. So they made a bet. The man said he would leave the money with us. And if not a single bill disappeared before I came of age, then daddy could have the money for himself. But if anyone took a cent, my daddy would give me a way to marry his son. Now you know everything. So I'm asking you to forget about the money for a while. And then in a year, we'll be very rich. Daddy said hopefully at the end of his story. And then he added, Look at the son of that weirdo. How could I marry you off to such an awful guy? He showed me a picture on his phone. It was Johnny. I mean, all this time, my dad's been doing everything he could to keep me from doing what had already happened. Yes, Daddy, I think you're right, I said as I hurried to get my things so I could catch the bus. My head was a mess. But one thing I did know was that we could basically start spending money now. Johnny wasn't someone I wanted to keep away from, and I'd be glad to be his wife in the future. Do you think I should tell my parents and start spending that money, or should I wait a little longer? Share your answers in the comments and be sure to like this video if you enjoyed it.